Welcome to the Point is to Serve podcast. We want to encourage you towards a vibrant and active faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about our ministry, visit our website at thepointistoserve.org. And now, here's this week's teaching. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Stephen. Oh. <laughs> um, so we're starting a new sermon series here. And we're not starting, and we've, start, we've already started it. Um, but if you're new here, just so you know, it's called Summer School. And what we're doing is we're looking at different uh, theological vocab words. And some of them are ones that we're not quite as familiar with. Last week we talked about eschatology. Uh, that might be a new one to a lot of people. But this one is one that we're pretty familiar with, I think all of us. Uh, and I just have to apologize to all of you fathers that are here today. Um, I did not intend for it to happen this way because our word for today kind of feels a little buzzkill, all right? Uh, but hang in there with me. I promise it's going to be good news because today we're going to be talking about sin. Sin is our word for the day. So um, I hope it's just a coincidence, but maybe, you know, you can be the judge of that, fathers, uh, if maybe God's trying to say something to you today. But... Um, you know, sin kind of makes us a little uncomfortable to even bring up, right? We don't really like that word. Sometimes uh, even, I even avoid talking about the word because um, I think it's been misunderstood a lot of times. Um, I know, like, sometimes Christian people, uh, religious people can use it as a way to beat other people up. To like point the finger at people outside the church and say, sinners, and condemn them and tear them down, right? And it just, it kind of like leaves a yucky feeling. I remember when, I've shared this story before, but when I used to work at um, Little Caesars delivering pizzas. And I worked with another guy that was a very outspoken Christian man. And uh, there was a, one of the managers there had been living with his girlfriend at the time. And uh, I don't know if he was a Christian. He, he didn't claim to be. Uh, but at one point, he was telling this other uh, older gentleman about some of the problems that he and his girlfriend were having. And the guy said to him, well, it's because you're living in sin. And uh, as you might expect, that kind of like made a cold relationship between those two, right? And, and so like when me going to seminary at the time to be a pastor, and I come into this situation, uh, and, you know, it kind of made me feel like it, it took a while to build some trust there because it's like, oh, this is another one of those religious people that's just going to, like, beat me up for not being perfect like the rest of them. I, I think this is one of the reasons that the concept of sin can make us a little bit uncomfortable. Um, another reason that I tend to be a bit hesitant to throw around the word sin a whole lot uh, is because I don't think that we take the time to think about what we really mean, what we're talking about when we say this word. I, I think for a lot of us, sin is basically just bad things that God doesn't like, right? Like God creates this arbitrary list of rules and there's some things that we're supposed to do and some things that we're not supposed to do. And as long as we're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing and not doing the things that we're not supposed to be doing, um, then we're in a good relationship with God. This is kind of like the assumption that we have about sin. But, but is this the biblical concept of sin? Is this what we're supposed to be taking from it? 
Uh, I actually think a biblical understanding and a good theological understanding of sin is actually really help for us, helpful for us as human beings to, to name and to diagnose the pain and the brokenness that all of us as human beings, whether Christian or not, we experience this, right? We, we all know that we are very capable of doing terrible things to other people that cause all sorts of pain and heartache in the world around us and in our relationships and even within ourselves too. Um, something is messed up in this world, and we experience it, but, it, but it's hard for us to put our finger on it and, and know exactly what it is. I think sometimes the world around us, uh, it just kind of looks at the surface level of what's going on and says, you know, um, well, the reason that you're experiencing pain or the reason that you're experiencing discomfort is like, you're just not attractive enough. And so how about like if you wear our makeup, if you put our products on, if you wear these clothes, uh, then you'll be cool, then you'll be acceptable, and all will be right in the world. Or if you just go on this vacation, then everybody's going to think you're awesome and your life is going to be so much better. If you just get this many likes on Instagram or whatever the case, like the world has all these solutions to our problems and, and the um, just disillusionment that we experience. But no matter how much we do, no matter how much we feel that and it feels good for a little bit, it doesn't really get to the source of the issue. And this is where the wisdom of our scriptures dig deeper than the surface level problems and solutions of our world and help us to become more aware of the deeper root cause of our brokenness. And this is where a good theology or a good understanding of sin can be helpful for us. So this word sin that we translate in our English Bibles, it comes from a Hebrew word, that's kata, or uh, the Greek word for it is hamartia, all right? And both of these words kind of describe a failure that's taken place or or a set goal that's been missed. And in the Bible, uh, sin describes our failure to become the kind of people that God intended us to be, that that, uh, there's a failure to live out his goal for our lives. And what is God's goal? For our lives. Hmm. Now, if only we had talked about this like the week before, right? Uh, like there's, there's one word. Do you remember uh, the goal for God's uh, creation? And there's one word for it, remember? It is God's goal for his creation is? Well, shalom, yes, but reconciliation. Yes, it's the healing of the broken relationships that are all around. It's our broken relationship with God. It's our broken relationship with our fellow human beings, even within ourselves too, and with the rest of his creation too. Like when God has his way and his goals are met and and everything is made right someday at the very end, remember eschatology, that was our word, that the goal for it all is that there's going to be peace, that there's going to be healing, there's going to be reconciliation in our relationships, that God wants flourishing community. We were created for community with God and with each other. Jesus even prays for this in John chapter 17. God, may they be one as you and I are one, and they they would be in us. Like, it's just this whole relationship between God and all of humanity, the rest of his people, all the nations streaming together, like we talked about at that passage in Revelation. So, Let's put what we've got together so far, okay? Uh, If God's goal is to reconcile all things, and if sin means to fail to accomplish a set goal, uh, then logic would suggest something like this, that sin is anything that fails to reconcile relationships. Uh, Or we could say uh, sin is anything that resists 
God's reconciling purposes in the world. Or uh, to put it even more simply, sin is divisiveness. It's division. I mean, if you think about any sin that's listed in the Bible and, and you, you break it apart and you stop and you think about it, you've got to ask yourself, like, how does this affect my relationship with God? How does it affect my relationship with my neighbor, with my fellow human beings? And I think all the time we see that there's this corrosive power that wants to work against our, our unified relationships and wants to sabotage that. That's what sin is, biblically. Uh, and we're told by Paul and other places in the scriptures, uh, Romans three twenty three, uh, that this, sin is something that it's not just some of us struggle with. It. It, it It's all of us. This is the human condition. He says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And, and he also talks about it a little bit later as being like kind of like this foreign power that, that enslaves us too. Romans 7, 21 through 23. I've discovered this principle of life, Paul says, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. It's this power that enslaves us, that sabotages our relationships around us. We want to have good relationships with the people around us, and yet there's something about us too, and each and every single one of us, that, that just works against that. And so, and so now we're doing theology, friends. I, I'm a theology nerd. I love thinking about this kind of stuff. But the problem with theology sometimes is sometimes it just turns into an intellectual game. You know, like we want to impress people by thinking about all this kind of stuff. But I think really good theology should always have a very practical side to it. Like because we know this, uh, it, it should change the way that we live. It should change and impact the way that we treat other people around us. Uh, and so defining sin and trying to put a label on it, it might seem like, are we splitting hairs? I don't think so. Like, I think this has, gives us motivation uh, to make a difference in this place, in this world. Uh, so why is it important to define sin? And I would say that it allows us discernment and wisdom for us to be able to live the kind of lives that God actually intended for us. Uh, because if we're not clear about sin, what lies at the heart of sin, then we can actually miss the point completely. Like, if all sin is is just a list of things that God doesn't like, um, then especially we religious people can say, well, <laughs> good thing I've learned that one, you know? Like, and I don't struggle with this. Like, I do the things that God wants me to do because I know his will for my life. Unlike those people over there, like, they're not doing the things that God wants us to do. And, and we can start as religious people to, to feel superior to other people. We can start to feel like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to get tough on sin, and I'm supposed to condemn sinners because we don't stand for this, right? But the problem with that is that we start to get self-righteous about it. It's this judgmental, I'm superior to you, I'm holier than thou kind of thing. That is itself sin, okay? Because it ends up rupturing the relationships with the people around us. And the problem is that we religious people can be among the worst of sinners because that we don't think that we are we think we've got it all figured out. But it was this hypocrisy and this self-righteousness that Jesus was most critical of with the religious leaders of his time, with the Pharisees. Um, we religious people, 
myself included, we tend to notice what other people are doing in the world. And not just religious people, too. We're very judgmental human beings in the way that we treat other people. And we become so aware of the sins of other people that we don't recognize the need for forgiveness for my own sin, for the ways that I contribute to the problems of this world, too. And it's this pointing our fingers and tearing everybody down around us so that we can puff ourselves up, uh, that works, it get, like it drives a wedge in our relationship between us and the people that God has loved, that Jesus died for too, the, the ones that we came uh, to preach and, and give life to. Uh, we end up working against it. And, and, and in the name of Jesus, in the name of being biblical, uh, we blow other people up. It seems righteous, but it's satanic. And the Bible has a lot to say about false prophets who masquerade as Jesus people, but they're really just wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, it's a warning. Like, it, it, it infects all of us. And even we religious people especially need to be aware of how this can be at work in our hearts, and we don't even realize it. Um, and along with this, if we don't define sin as divisive in its very nature, then, then we tend to be really crafty. And we tend to use even the Bible to justify our own sinful, divisive tactics and paint it with like a godly veneer. And so this is the irony, that we can use the Bible to be able to shield ourselves from the teachings of Jesus, to be able to love our enemies because we find the scripture passages that allow us to say, well, the Bible also says this. And a perfect example of this is slavery. Uh, it's Father's Day today, but as Cheryl prayed about, it's also Juneteenth, uh, the time that we celebrate uh, the liberation of slaves, of African slaves in America. Uh, and I've got a picture here, if we could pull that up. Um, I'm not sure if, you're, if you know what this is, but this is kind of a blueprint of a slave ship. Now, if you want to bring a bunch of people over from Africa to America, th this is like how you can most efficiently pack them in, like sardines. I mean, this was the, the normal thing that people were doing at one time, and, and it was okay, all right, because it's in the Bible. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but I want us just to imagine what it must have been like. I mean, imagine if you go home after church today, and then as you're trying to enjoy time with your family, time with your friends, Father's Day, all of a sudden, some people that look very different from you and don't speak your language at all take you out of your home and separate you and your family and throw you on a ship like this and sail you across the ocean. And there's no heat, there's no air conditioning when you need it. You're packed in there like sardines. There's no bathroom. You just go, you know. Uh, and if you're sick, we'll deal with it when we get there. And if somebody dies, we'll deal with it when they get there. I mean, this is just horrific conditions that we wouldn't even allow animals to be part of. And yet this is what happens when sin has its way in systemic ways, in slavery, and the way that we treat other human beings like they're not even human beings. It's the opposite of the kind of reconciliation that God calls us to. And the sad thing is, is we can use the scriptures to justify it. Because unfortunately, if you look at the Bible, uh, there's a lot of stuff in there that would seem to, like, it doesn't, it's not critical of slavery, all right? Even Paul, even in the New Testament, all right, he, he doesn't come out and say, hey, this is an evil institution, and we need to do everything that we can do to get rid of it. 
Uh, instead, he says things like, Slaves, obey your masters, even if they're harsh. And you can bet that people that were pro-slavery back in the day uh, would take passages like that and say, See, this is just the way things are. This is just God's will. This is the way of the world in which we live. And we're actually being biblical. Uh, we're, we're doing God's will by upholding this institution. But thank God there are people in the world who know the difference between a rigid adherence to the letter of the scriptures and those who understand the heartbeat of the will of God as what God calls us to in Jesus Christ in our scriptures. Like, yeah, you can justify slavery in the Bible. It's there. You, you could find verses. But, but how does that square with the life of love, that self-sacrificial love that Jesus called us to? Where Paul says that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. That Jesus welcomes all people to his table. That, that the vision that we see in Revelation, when God has his way at the very end, all of the nations of the world are going to come streaming in and they're going to join God in worship. How does this square with that? And some people understood the heartbeat of what it is that God wanted us to understand. And thank goodness they work toward that abolition. This is why theology is important, because we've got these Bibles. It says all this stuff. We live in this world. How do we apply it well? How do we love well? It teaches us to deal with sin uh, on an individual level, but on a systemic level as well. And, and that's just an extreme example. Okay, uh, We're talking even in the small, minute areas of our lives. If we're clear about the foundational truth that God's goal is reconciliation in the world through Christ-like love, uh, then we need to judge all of our thoughts and our attitudes. Like If we take uh, following Jesus seriously, if we take the truth seriously, we have to ask ourselves questions. Like, are my attitudes, are my actions promoting God's reconciling purposes in the world, or are they working against them like where am i justifying my fleshly sinful divisive impulses or desires to build myself up at cost to others rather than laying down my life to build others up as jesus taught us to and then we pray along with jesus forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. That, that evil desire that's within us to just sabotage our relationships with our fellow human beings, with, with our creator God. Um, so that's kind of some of the bad news, right? Sin is nasty. It's poisonous. It's toxic. It's corrosive to our relationships with God and with our fellow human beings. Uh, but what does it look like when we surrender our divisive sinful impulses and trade it in for this life of reconciliation uh, through Christ-like love in the rest of the world. Uh, we've already alluded to it some, but I got to experience this firsthand uh, this past week, this past Wednesday, uh, because uh, Bob Barkley and uh, Joe Dalton have been working pretty closely with LSS uh, and uh, to be able to look for a refugee family. Like, how can our church partner with a family in our community uh, so that we can help them to get back on their feet? Because it's hard to come from a war-torn place and, and to try to build your life back up again. And so uh, it had been a, a time in the making waiting for an opportunity like this. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, we get this call from LSS. Hey, we, we found a family for you. 
Uh, and it was this couple that they're in their 60s, and as you already kind of heard, their daughter lives here in Sioux Falls, uh, along with her children. So their grandchildren live here. Uh, and so on Wednesday, uh, we were going to go meet them at the airport. And their, their plane was supposed to arrive at around 9.30, uh, and it, it got delayed until about a little before 11, all right? So we had some time in the airport together, uh, the Daltons and the Barclays and I. And then um, another guy from LSS who was coming to meet the family, his name was Million. And in our conversations and our time together, uh, we got to talking with Million. And um, he said he's from Eritrea, which is close to Ethiopia. Or some people say Eritrea. I think, I think uh, people from there pronounce it uh, Eritrea. So I'll say that. But um, I, I asked him, so did you, did you experience like war on the front lines? Uh, because what had happened was uh, Eritrea and Ethiopia were at war with each other. And he said, oh yeah. He said, I, I saw the planes flying over and the bombs coming down. And, and my family was scared and me and my siblings, we ended up fleeing to the jungle and living in the forest for two weeks before they could come. I mean, like, to just live through the hell that some people have lived through on this earth is just unimaginable. I can't even fathom. Uh, so to hear his story, too, there, there's just pain around us. Uh, and this is all while we're waiting to have another couple that's coming from Ukraine, uh, where we know very well from what we've seen in the news lately what's going on over there. Uh, and as Kathy said, it, it was. It was very moving to see those doors open and, and that couple come off. I, I'm going to try to pronounce their names. It's really hard, like phonetically even. But uh, Virshlav and Ludmila. Ludmila. Am I even close, Amy? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Pavlov. I can say their last name at least. Um, and, and, you know, like in the picture, we've got them there. Uh, you can just see that they're, they're jet-lagged, they're tired. Um, but, man, when they showed up, just the relief to be able to be reunited with their family and their daughter. And, and, uh, and she just kept saying over and over, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and it was a really profound thing to be part of. Uh, and in fact, uh, the, the plane that they were on, uh, one of the people that was on that plane was uh, Dwayne Williams, who's a pastor. He's an African-American guy. And uh, he had just been flying in from Green Lake, Wisconsin. And so I saw him too there. Uh, and, and I told him what was going on. And he's like, oh, I got I to gotta hang around and watch this. That's amazing. And so he even got to witness this scene. Uh, and it was really beautiful. Uh, and I remember driving home that night, and I had butterflies in my stomach. You know, like, like in a good way, you know, because it was like, we just experienced something really profound there. Like when Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what it looks like. Do we have eyes to see? Reconciliation among the nations happened right there in that airport with people from Eritrea and Ukraine and America and African-American men, people of different races. It didn't matter. We were all gathered together celebrating our unity in Christ, our fellow human beings. And this is what it looks like when the kingdom has its way and when sin and division is just pushed aside and overcome. And that's what we're called to in the world, friends. Uh, I understand why talking about sin is kind of uncomfortable for us because it's been misunderstood. It hasn't been used well. We, we used it as a way to kind of beat people up and shame people. But I think it's really helpful for allowing us to name the brokenness that we experience in our world so that we can say, oh, that's what that is. 
This is what Jesus is rescuing us from. And the beautiful thing is, is that he's got this invitation for us that says, hey, come on. We're going to defeat this together. Like, I'm ar- I've already forgiven it. I- I've already overcome it. It's done. It has no power over us anymore. And so let's go and defeat sin by bringing love and forgiveness and peace and joy and reconciliation into this world now, today, because that's what's going to last forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, forgive us for the brokenness of our world and for the ways that we contribute to it um, in large ways and in small ways and in individual ways and in systemic ways. Uh, Your way is so much more beautiful, Jesus, the way of peace through forgiveness and love and mercy and kindness and repentance We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal any place of our hearts that is resistant to your reconciling purposes. Any any sin that causes us to turn our backs from you, to choose our own way, that causes us to turn our backs on our neighbor, uh, to not love the people that you have loved and created and suffered for, that you would release us of that, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that uh, even when we fail, you pour your spirit into us, and we still fall short. We still miss the goal. Uh, that you forgive us. You continue to pick us back up, and you continue to send us out uh, to be your reconciling presence in this world, to carry out your ministry of reconciliation that we talked about last week, Lord. Uh, so help us, Lord, not to shy away from that. Help us to live this life with open eyes and to see people around us, not the way that we see them in our old way of judging and holding other people's sin against them, but to see them the way that you do. Uh, To see people that you loved and created and died for. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Point is to Serve podcast series. For more information about pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ or information about the Point is to Serve ministry, visit our website at thepointistoserve.org. Thank you and God bless.